you receive. And Lord, we thank you that the entrance of your word gives light and it gives understanding to the simple. So Lord, we thank you for sending us wisdom, understanding, enlighten our path. Lord, bring us up higher in you so that we can do everything that you've called us to do. And Satan, I break your power. I bind you. You have no dealings here. We cast you out. I bind distraction. I bind every unclean spirit. And I, Lord, I just take authority over this atmosphere. And I thank you that everything that you want to accomplish will be accomplished and said today. And we thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Good morning. So we're going to talk about the goodness of God and the richness of his love. Amen. So if you were, I feel like Brother Hagin. So if you would turn in your Bibles to John chapter 17. I've been listening to him a lot, just like I could hear his voice. And we're going to pick up our text at verse 23. Okay, now I just had to say that. (laughs) So John chapter 17, verse 23. This is our foundation scripture. And this is Jesus talking. Actually, verse 23 will be our foundation scripture, but I want to read. I'm going to start reading in verse 20. And so the goodness of God's the goodness of God and the richness of his love. The Lord was letting me know a lot of folks really don't know the father. We're all acquainted with Jesus. We know what he did for us, but we're not acquainted with the father. And so one of Jesus's mission was to reveal the father. And so this is Jesus praying And this is, uh, so I'm just going to start at verse 20. And it says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That they will be as one as you, Father, are in me, and I in you. That they may, that they, that they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me. Because remember, when Jesus kept talking about the Father, they were offended. Because they kept saying, how dare he keep calling God his father? They didn't believe that who he was. And it says, the glory which you gave me, I've given them. That they may be one just as we are one. And our foundation scripture is, I am them and you and me. That they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know that you have sent me and that you love me. That I'm sorry, and that you love them as you have loved me. And so I had never really seen that until this week I was reading. And Jesus prayed. He said, Lord, let the people see that you love them the same way you love me. And if we had that revelation, if we had that revelation. And so one of Jesus' missions was to reveal the love of God to the church. They didn't know nor understand the love of God and and the love that he had for the world. And that was a revelation to them. God sent Jesus to the world because he loved them. And God loves us just as much as he loves Jesus. And that's something that we need to meditate on when we're believing God for our miracle, whatever our miracle is. If we knew that God loved us and saw us the same way as he sees Jesus, it would be easier for us to stand on his word, to stand on his promises. If we knew the richness of God's love. It will be easier for us, I said that, it will be easier for us to hold on to the promises and get the desired results. And so there is some attributes with the goodness of God. And the Holy Spirit said, when you're talking about the richness of God's love, you've got to know that God's love forgives. God's love forgives. Because we're talking about the richness of God's love, the quality of his love. Psalms 86 verse 5 says, you, you can turn if you, if you want to, but I have it written down. 
It says, and this is David talking. It says, for you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in mercy to all those who call upon you. And see, if we understand that God loves us, that he forgives us, it's easy for us. It should be easy for us to go to the Father, knowing that whatever we ask in the name of Jesus, he will give it to us. And we're forgiven when we repent. First John 1 John 1.9 says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so when you go to God, you've got to know that you are forgiven. He's a faithful God. He said, I'm faithful and just to forgive you. That means you can trust me. If you come to me and ask for repent for forgiveness of your sin, I don't hold your sin over your head. And then when the Bible says that I'm just, that means I'm an honorable God. I'm unprejudiced. I'm not going to hold Alicia's sin against her, but then forgive somebody else of their sin. God said, I'm just. When you come to me, there, there is no remembrance of sin. If you don't know that we are forgiven, we will never experience the goodness of God, nor walk in our God-given purpose. When we confess our sins, we are clean. There is no guilt or condemnation hangover. When guilt and condemnation's voice is louder than the love of God, we need to renew our mind in God's word. Because condemnation will hold you back. You're the, the Lord let me know, only one that can close the door on you is you, yourself, through condemnation, guilt. Because when you confess your sin, there is no hangover. He doesn't see you as that's, that's the girl that did this or that's the girl that did. He, when he looks at you, he sees his son's blood. And so that gives you the boldness to leap and to go forward. First uh, John chapter 4, if we could go there. And again, we're talking about the richness of God's love. Every time I was reading, it's like the Holy Spirit kept telling me, introducing God. Because we all know about Jesus, we know about his works, but very few people know God, not face to face. Very few people did. Okay. First John chapter 4, starting in verse 8. Need to find it. Okay, I'm going in my reading starting in verse 8. It says, He who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested towards us that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might through Him, that we might live through Him. And this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us. And send his son to be the propitiation for our sins. In other words, Jesus was our substitute. And so this is one thing the Holy Spirit kept saying to me. If you only knew, this was my idea to send Jesus to die for your sins. I'm a good father. I'm the perfect father. If they only knew who I really was. God loves us so much that he sent his only son to pay our debt of sin so that we could be reconciled to him. And fellowship with him. God desires our company. He really does. God is a jealous God. And he wants you and all of your affections. And the, and the Holy Spirit had me write down, meditate on that. God wants you. He don't want your, he don't want your works of righteousness. He don't want your, I read 10 scriptures today. I prayed in tongues for three hours. He wants you. He wants you. 
And that makes all the difference in the world. Those things need to be done. But when you have a relationship with God and in the, the, the Trinity, when you have a relationship with them, ministry will flow out of you. It, it'll come out of that relationship. Amen. John chapter 15, verse 1, if we could read that. I have a lot of scriptures, but there was a lot of things that I was seeing. You know, you read it, but I didn't read it. Okay, John chapter 15, verse 1. And it's short, and this is Jesus talking again. And Jesus said, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. He again was revealing an attribute of his father. Jesus was revealing more of the richness of God's love for us. The father is the vine dresser. What's a vine dresser? A vine dresser prunes, he trains, he cultivates, and he tends to. Jesus is saying, my father is the vine dresser. He's the perfect father. You've got to come to him through me. You've got to get to know him. He's not the one that's untouchable like in the old covenant when you couldn't touch the ark of the covenant. When the priest, the priest couldn't go behind the veil unless they had cleansed themselves and changed their clothes. They had to put on their priestly garment. He said, because of my blood that I put on the mercy seat that was a perfect sacrifice. Now you're welcome into the holies of holy. Get to know my father. He's your vine dresser. He's the one that will prune you. He's the one that will groom you. And he's the one that will get you ready for everything that he put you on this earth to do. Get to know my father. He's the vine dresser. Jesus said, most assuredly I say to you. the son." And, and, and these are some ex- examples when Jesus was letting them know my dad is the is the vine dresser. I'm the vine. But let me show let me show you how I obeyed my father. Look at my results. John chapter five verse nineteen says, Jesus said, Most assuredly I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. So Jesus said, All the good works that you see me doing, I do what I saw my dad do. Because we got a good father. John chapter 12, verse 49 through 50. You don't have to turn there. This is another example. Jesus said, I have not even spoken on my own authority. But the father who sent me gave me a command. What I should say and what I should speak. Verse 50 says, I know what his commandment is and it's everlasting life. I know what the plan of my father is. His plan is John 3:16. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus did not come to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. He said, "It all get to know my father. He is love. He is a God of mercy. He sent me because he loves you. I know what his command is. Okay, I said that. I'm, I'll read it again. I know what his command is, and it's everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. And so Jesus will let them know, I'm under authority. I've been trained by my Father. I'm on a mission here. My mission is to shed my blood, go to the cross, so that you can be reconciled to my Father. He longs for your presence. He longs to be reconciled to us. We, we have been, you could say we've been, my dad has been divorced from you. 
And I came so that that separation could no longer be there. You're not able to pay for your sin, but my sinless blood can. That's why I'm here. And that's what Jesus meant when he said, I know what his commandment is, everlasting life. Uh, If you could go to John chapter uh, 14, and there was something else that I wanted to show you. John chapter 14, verse 7 through 11. The disciples were talking to Jesus, and in my Bible it says the Father revealed, so Jesus was still on his job. Verse 7 says, if you had known me, you would know, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, and from now, I'm sorry, and from now on you now know him and have seen him. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father. Is this sufficient for us? Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you have not known me, Philip? He has he who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me, he does the work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. And so they still didn't get it. All this time he's been talking about his father and everything that the father, when they, and they said, show us the father. Where is the father? And Jesus said, the father is in me and I'm in the father. Everything I've been saying to you has been coming from the father. Every demonstration, feeding the, feeding the 5,000, raising the widow's son from the dead. All these things were things that my father told me to do because he is love. He's not a God of judgment. He's not a God of penalty. Because he knows that you are helpless to help yourself. That's why I'm here. Still revealing the Father. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to train us and conform us to the image of Christ. We have to allow God to prune us and to train us and know that he cares for us. God is the perfect Father. Jeremiah uh, chapter 1 verse 5. And we're still talking about the richness of God's love and Introducing God, letting you know who he is and how he feels about you so that you can have the boldness to believe him for the impossible. And Jeremiah had a revelation. Well, the Lord told Jeremiah, and Jeremiah was shocked, I think, to know how much God loved him. And, he, and the Lord told Jeremiah, he said, before I shaped you in your womb, I'm reading this from the message translation. And God told Jeremiah, he said, before I shaped you in your womb, I knew all about you. Before you saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you. A prophet to the nations. That's what I had in mind for you. And that's what he told Jeremiah. And that's what he tells all of us. I have a a holy plan for you before you even got here. I knew your name. I knew what I had called you to do. I knew all the good works that I have preordained for you to walk in. I got a good life for you. We are not orphans. We are not mistakes. Because Jeremiah, you know, he didn't want to do all that God has called him to do. But God has said, I'm with you. I already mapped this out. All you got to do is follow my instructions. We have to meditate on the goodness of God and the richness of his love. Or the enemy will have you angry with God thinking that he has set you up for failure. And those are lies, lies, 
lies. God has a good plan for your life. Psalms 22, verse 9 through 10. Did I write it down? Okay. And to think you were, okay, yes, I did. I wrote it down. You can look at it in your Bible, but I wrote it in a message because I like the way it broke down in the message. And David had a revelation of God. And when I was going over the stuff that David said about God, you know, David is the only one that God ever said he's a man after my own heart because David took the time to get to know the father. When he was out there being obedient to his father, taking care of the sheep, worshiping God, singing to God, and then he saw God's protection. He saw God's provision. That's why it was so easy for him to confront Goliath because he knew it wasn't him, but it was the God who stands behind him. He does all the work. And so David had a revelation of God. And in Psalms, uh, I'm sorry, in the, the message translation of Psalms 22, 9 through 10, it says, And to think you were midwife, talking about God, at my birth, setting me at my mother's breast. Verse 10 says, When I left the womb, you cradled me. Since the moment of birth, you've been my God. And God is saying, I've been, I've been here for you all along, but you didn't know it. I was right there. I was the midwife. I'm the one that got you here. And once you got here, I'm the one that cradled you. I have been your God. You just didn't know it. Just didn't know it. And so, yes, God has, okay, now I'm getting ahead of myself. So Deuteronomy chapter 7, I just, we're, we're, today we're just going to talk about the goodness of God. So everything, all the scriptures today is just focusing on introducing God and letting you know how he feels about us because it will change your life. If we knew how he felt about us, felt about us. So Deuteronomy chapter 7. Verses 6 through 8. Okay. 7 verse 6 says. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure of of all the people on on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because you were more in number than any of the other people, for you were the least of all people. But because the Lord loves you, And because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And the Lord was, and uh, when and it says that the Lord has uh, set, when the Lord, when that Bible says that the Lord has set His love upon you, this is something that He did on purpose. He said, "I didn't save you and pull you out of bondage." poverty sickness disease i didn't do that because you were clean and holy you were the least of all people but i set my love on you i this is a deliberate act i did it on purpose i called your name by purpose on purpose you know the bible says many are called but few are chosen when you are chosen that means you're called out that means he called you by name he didn't say hey y'all come on over here he said no he called us by name and you got to have an ear to hear but you got to know that he set his love on you. It was a deliberate act. He called you out on purpose. The definition of set means a specified place. It's a position. Just like Donald Trump is the president, 
I don't care who gonna, who don't like it. That's a he's in a set position, and he can't be uprooted. When you're set, it's a deposit. It's it's to park or to mount. So that means God said, I called you. I've commissioned you. This is what you're here for, and this is what you're going to do, and I'm not going to change my mind. If I called you to be an evangelist, you're an evangelist from the day you break that womb until the day you break heaven. That's what I called you to do. That's what you better do, and that's how your life will be successful when you obey me because I have set you up. I've set you up for success. Amen. He set his love on us. Amen. Romans chapter 5, verse 5 through 8. I'm going to read it from the New King, and then I'll also read it from the Message Translation. Okay, this is Romans chapter 5, verses 5 through 8. It says, Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For when we were still without strength, that means when we couldn't save ourselves, when we couldn't cleanse ourselves up from our own nasty deeds, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man would one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone might even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so he said, my love has been poured out. Let me me make sure. Yeah, has been poured out. Some translation says the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart. The message translation, I love it. Verse 5 says, we can't round up enough containers to hold everything God's generosity pours into our lives through the Holy Spirit. Amen. The richness of God's love for us cannot be contained. It can't. If we only knew. Those days where you're feeling like nothing ever works for you. My prayer isn't answered. We need to sit up and meditate on the goodness of God. Everything he's done for us. Everything he loves us. God is love. What's love? It's God. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 3. And that's um, just one verse. Verse 3. It says, the Lord has appeared, and this is Jeremiah again, the Lord has appeared of old to me saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love, still encouraging it. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. Again, I will build you and you shall be rebuilt. And see, Jeremiah had a vision. He knew exactly who God was. The Message Bible says, Israel, look. I'm sorry. It says, Israel. Out looking for a place to rest, but met God out looking for them. They thought they were, God was out looking for them, and they thought they were looking for somewhere to rest. God told them, I have never quit loving you, and I never will. The message translation says, expect love, love, and more love. 
And so what the, the Lord told Jeremiah, all you can look for me and expect from me is love. No judgment, no penalty, no condemnation, no rejection. Just love, love, love. So I'm going to say it again. Introducing God. God is love. Amen. So I want to read to you Psalms 27. We all know David was a man after God's own heart. And David bumped into the love of God. And this was a, he was so overjoyed, exuberant, the Bible says exuberant. He had so much exuberant praise for God that it, Psalms 27 bubbled up out of him. And I'm going to read it in the message translation because it's so, it has so many adjectives. It says light, space, and zest. That's God. So with him on my side, I'm fearless, afraid of no one and nothing. When vandal hordes ride down ready to eat me alive, those bullies and toughs fall flat on their faces. When besieged, I'm calm as a baby. When all hell breaks loose, I'm collected and cool. I'm asking God for one thing, only one thing, to live with him in his house my whole life long. I'll contemplate his beauty. I'll study at his feet. That's the only quiet, secure place in a noisy world. The perfect getaway, far from the buzz of traffic. God holds my head and shoulders above all those who try to pull me down. I'm headed from, I'm headed from his place to, off, to offer anthems. What well, David said, I'm on my way to the sanctuary to offer anthems. I got my instruments with me. We, brought, we about to have a praise service. I'll raise the roof. I'm already singing God's songs. I'm making music to God. See, he had a revelation of who God was, the father, the good father, the good shepherd, the vine dresser, the prodigal's prodigal's son's dad was an example of the father, that unconditional love, that agape, although he strayed. He knew the love of God would pull him back. The Bible says that in Jeremiah, he said, with loving kindness, I've drawn you. He knew the love that he had poured out on his son would draw him back. And that's what we have to know when you got those prodigals. It's not your love that draws them back. It's that unconditional love that's been shed abroad in our our hearts. And then we pour out that unconditional love to our loved ones. It draws them back. It draws them back. It says, listen, God, I'm calling at the top of my lungs. Be good to me. Answer me. When my heart whispers, seek God. My whole being replied, I'm seeking him. Don't hide from me now. You've always been right there for me. Don't turn your back on me now. Don't throw me out. Don't abandon me. You're all, you have always kept the door open. And so that's what the Lord was letting me know. I'm the one that opens doors. You know, there's, I'm not sure, I know it's in Proverbs, and in the, in the, uh, the Lord and David was saying that promotion does not come from the north or the south or the east or the west, but it comes from God. I'm the one who raised up one and sits another down. And I'm the one that opens doors, if you knew who God was. And so you can't let that voice of condemnation and guilt hold you back. God has opened a door, no man can close it. How do you go through that open door relationship with God? Because you've got to have the confidence. How do you go through an open door you feel like you're not qualified for? The favor of God. The favor of God. 
And David knew that. He says, you've always kept the door open. David knew he could go into the presence of God with worship. When Nathan came to David and told him that he had messed up with Bathsheba, he still went to God. He was not too ashamed to repent of murder and adultery because of that relationship with God. He knew he had messed up. But he was more sorrowful for the fact that he had disappointed God. And so that, that's, that's, a, that's the love of God. It was shed abroad in David's heart. And that's where God wants us to get to, that there's never a rift between us, never a wedge. The door is always open. We can always go in, Lord, I missed it. Lord, I messed up. And the Holy Spirit was letting me know that's why it zigzag when those other men were so angry when they got there and saw the city burnt down, their wives gone, their kids gone, they were angry, which is understandable. But then they were ready to stone David. But see, they didn't know God. They didn't know the love of God. I mean, David was disappointed too. His heart was in anguish as well. But he, he did what he knew to do. He went to God. He went to his father, his vine dresser, to seek his face, to get his wisdom. And he said, Father, what do I do? Should I pursue? Will I overtake them if I go? Will they kill us? Are we adequate enough to stand up against this enemy? And God said, go. Pursue. Overtake. Recover all. Because I was with you when you were attacked by the lion and the bear. I was with you with Goliath. Now these uh, men have come in and stolen your wives and your children and burned your city down. I'm, with, I'm, still, I'm still God. The door of victory is still open, David. Run through it. Run through it. It says, point me down your highway, God. Direct me along a well-lighted street. Show my enemies whose side you're on. Don't throw me to the dogs, those liars who are out to get me, filling the air with threats. I'm sure now I'll see God's goodness in the exuberant earth. Stay with God. Take heart. Don't quit. I'll say it again. Stay with God. Amen. And I love Psalms uh, 27 the, in the New King James Version. I'm not sure what verse it is, but he said, When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me in. Amen. Amen. And God made that so real to me. I, I know I've given that testimony before because, you know, my dad died first and then my mother passed. And I remember walking in Bishop Eck, or Pastor Exum, whatever, his church, and uh, it was a speaker that day. It was either Hawthorne or it was one of them that used to phrase or one of them that used to come all the time. And and it seems like soon I just felt low. I had just had Joshua because Joshua came like 30 days before my after my mom passed. And I'm thinking, dang, she couldn't see my son, and now she's gone. And I was having, you know, just issues with my family, you know, how, you know, just a lot of strife and, you know, and it was just really bad. And, uh, and I was thinking, God, now I don't have nobody. And I remember walking in that church and that man said, when your father and your mother forsake you, the Lord will take you up. And honestly, I felt like it was the Holy Spirit snatching me up in my collar and said, get yourself together. I'm alive. I'm your father. I'm the one that's going to take care of you. And he has. And he did. 
and everything and all the you know because i was still under that persecution of being a new christian darlene's in a cult now she's praying in tongues you know i i I didn't get no persecution when i was getting high and and drinking and you know not coming home you know i didn't get no persecution but now that i found god (laughs) the horse of hell was released you know and i said dang god i don't have nobody i don't have nothing and god was saying are you serious I'm here. I'm your father. I am your provider. I, I will fill that void up in your life. I'll take care of you better than any earthly father could. And he has. He has. And so sometimes I'll feel bad that, you know, my uh, my in-laws passed early. And so my uh, kids didn't get a chance to have that whole grandmother, grandfather thing. They had it for a while, but not for a long time. And it was the same thing the Holy Spirit said. Do you remember that, I, that the God is here? He's there, whatever they need, whether it's a grandmother, a grandfather, the wisdom, the favor. You know how I think about uh, my kids in high school. The Lord gave them supernatural mentors. Still to this day, I don't know why I'm all emotional, but <laughs> the goodness of God. <laughs> and I remember uh, when my kids were younger, and uh, Pastor Barb said, uh, teach your kids to respect authority, and God will always put the right people in their path. And I saw, and I saw that because I saw kids who were excellent in sports, but didn't know how to respect authority. So their parents would pull them out off the football field. I don't like the way the coach talked to my son. I don't like this. They disrespect him. I don't like that. And I'm thinking, no, that coach sees quality, and they're not gonna pat you on the back and say, "Come on now, run more, one more lap." It don't come out like that when they see greatness inside of you. And uh, and I and I've seen where my boys' coaches were right there with them, still right there with them, with Joshua and Daniel, and um, and then I and um, now little Howard was that he did the tele he did the TV stuff at Wellington, but still those principles and uh, when he had to go back and crown the next um, prom king, even with that he ate with the superintendent. So there was just always that honor, always that man figure that God has kept in my boy's life. So, you know, he's, God is saying, I'm here. I'm your father. I'm their father. I'm, if, you feel like, if you feel like they just got to have a grandfather. You know, I know how to raise up a voice of wisdom. You know, I remember when, Joy, when, Joyce, when jo- Joshua was down about something, and his high school football coach told him, called him at school, and he said, you know what, you're not going to quit. I don't care if they never win a football game. You get out there on that field and you play and you be the best. And so I've seen God. I mean, it's like, and he, you know, yes, they have a dad and they got a mom, but that outside voice, God has always been that outside voice. And then, you know, uh, most of you know that, I don't know, Becky uh, started cleaning Pastor Barb's house early. And at first I was nervous because I was thinking, okay, now she cleaned enough of my house. But, uh, you know, this is when she first got started. <laughs> and, you know, she was 16. But, you know, even with that, she learned more discipline because her grandmother wasn't here. And so, and, and, and you know, that because, see, I would tell her, well my, well, my mother was an excellent cook. And my mother was the type, when she, the whole time she could cook er, the whole holiday. And that kitchen was clean because she cleaned as she went. 
and I'd come home and the dining room and the kitchen was tore up and she's still cooking. I'm thinking, oh, Lord. And I would always say, clean as you cook, Becky. And she would just, but you know what? And then, but that outside voice, that discipline from Pastor Barb. And then it's funny because she'll say stuff like, oh, I know Pastor Shirley won't eat that. She wants it to look like this. Or, you know, but it's that discipline. You know, God is, he's, he's multifaceted. He's love. He'll make sure you don't have that void in your life. He'll give you everything you need, everything you need. You know, when, um, when I first got married, <laughs> I was not my in-law's favorite. <laughs> God, bless, God bless their souls. But once I got saved, even with that, God stepped in. I remember when I first got saved, and I was, you know, because I used to read my um, Good News Bible from, from the Catholic Church. And then, but when I, <laughs> and when we started going to Brother Doll, everybody had the NIV. The, what was that, American Standard? So I went, got my NIV, started reading my word. And I had an aunt that I was named after, my Aunt Nola. She didn't care for me either. And because uh, I remember everybody would say, why do people call you Nola? And I said, that's my first name. And they said, really? You named after a Nola? I was like, and so I remember I had mentioned that to Pastor Barb one time. And she said, why you don't like your first name? And I said, it's a long story. And she said, ask God to change your name. Just ask God to change your name. And, and you know what, even, but I, okay, but back to this. I was reading my Bible and I found that scripture. When your ways please the Lord, he'll make your enemies be at peace with you. And I went from, now I ain't going to say me and my Aunt Nola was loving and kissing each other when she passed, but there was a mutual respect. Whereas before she would come to my house, she would literally, oh, don't clean as well as your mother. And dinner ain't done yet. And it was just all that, it was always that you could trust that knife. And, uh, but when I found that scripture, honestly, I said, wow, Lord, Aunt Nola will be at peace with me. We can be peaceful. Who wants to be at odds with your family members? That's horrible. You know, we had a um, family get together one time because my family is, they, they're, well, we're not as close as we used to be, but I mean, we did everything together, everything, every holiday. And uh, so it would be 30 of us in a one-bedroom apartment, but we were all together. And uh, and we had Bible study together, you know. We ate together, and uh, and that's what that was our norm. We had Bible study, and then we ate. And, and one time we were going through photo albums, and somebody said, oh, and they said it so quick, <laughs> and everybody looked, and I know I had scratched out all my face on my pictures in her in her photo album. And it was just always, and, and all, but all what that was, all that was doing is the enemy was setting me up for rejection for failure, inadequacy, always never sure-footed. Am I good enough? Am I a good enough wife? And then, you know, I don't know why I'm talking about, well, she's not here, but God has worked redemption. But I'm just telling you, I'm just being transparent. And then it was like when we got married, she'd say stuff like, uh, don't gain weight. You know, men don't want no fat wife. And I'm thinking, wow, that's an awesome thing to say on my wedding. And then, uh, and then, uh, then uh, one of my uncles said, 
You know Nola was taking bets at your wedding saying it wasn't going to last longer than six months. And I said, really? And it didn't. My marriage only lasted about six months. But God. So when I got saved, he totally reconfigured my life. He gave me a new name, a new identity. I was no longer under that curse of barrenness. You know, my mother named me Nola because my Aunt Nola couldn't have kids. She was barren. And my father hit the roof when she named me that. My my dad told me one day, he said, you know them things that ride a broomstick? (laughs) He said, that's your aunt. My dad was, you know, he's, uh, Daniel reminds me of my father. You always know where you stand with him. Always know. You never have to guess. And, but you know what, but God, you know, he came in and he gave me a new identity. He took me from under that curse. You know, everything I read in my Bible, it was real. Like when he said, uh, you know, I'll make your enemies be at peace with you. And I, she was the first thing that came to my mind. I said, Adnola, we can be friends. And we were. I didn't go over her house and she didn't come over mine, but we were friends. And then, uh. And then the, 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 the rift in my family stopped. And then we were able to, I mean, I know that there is that separation that you go through. You know, I know that God pulls you out to clean you up. And you can't, you, you know, he, he pulls you out so that he can put something in you so that once you get back with your family, you got something to give them and not blend in with them. And so, I, and so that persecution time was hard because I was the Jesus freak. And I'm thinking, why wasn't I all these names? <laughs> when I was doing everything else, but God started turning the table. You know, I remember when my father passed away, and I just want to tell I'm just talking about the love of God and how God revealed himself to me. And, you know, when my father got sick with leukemia, it was rough because my dad was never sick, and it was a hard time. And he got sick around the time I got saved. And I remember my cousin, my family would call and say, everybody get up to the hospital. This is going to be Jack's because my dad's name was Joseph, but his nickname was Jack. This is Jack's last day. And I remember we were at Kayla Neer's house, and we were praying. And, uh, and, I, was, and I needed to be there. And, and I was thinking, i got to go here because I'd rather be here with these women. I, always, I never knew what to call it, but I always felt safe when I was with them. I always felt secure, you know. And I said, if. If I get with them first, I'll be, I'll be able to face them when I get to the hospital. And i never forget when I got ready to leave, because we were standing in Kay's living room, and Kayla Neer prayed for me, and she said, Lord, keep her from the strife of men's tongues. And I remember thinking, wow, was that in the Bible, or was she just saying that? You know, and when I got to the hospital, like I said, if we got a lot of family, they were like, just the whole just the whole, we filled up the, every waiting room, every waiting on my daddy to die. And when I walked in, one of my aunts said, where you been? And I said, I've been in prayer. And it, the whole hospital, it, they left. They cleared. And I went in there. I prayed for my dad. I don't know, maybe he lived another month. But when he did pass away, it was from pneumonia. Because right after that, my mom called me and she said, they said that your daddy's leukemia is in remission. 
I was a brand new Christian. I had just, you know, being with them, got baptized in the Holy Ghost. And I remember going to that hospital, and that's when I knew, like, Roberts was such a big influence in my life. And he talked about the warring church, praying in tongues. I'm talking about the love of God, how he revealed himself. He was my help. He was my support. So when I would have to go to the hospital, I hated it. I just had little Howard. You know, he was about five months old. And I would get in that car, and I would pray in crazy tongues all the way there. I'd walk in his room, pray for him. I'd be somebody totally different than I'd get in the car and cry. But I saw, I said, God is real. He'll help you. He will turn you into somebody else. And when I, and I never, and I remember when I left that night after I left the hospital, I went home and I looked for that scripture. And I said, uh, what, what was the scripture again? <laughs> oh, keep you from the stripe of men's tongues. So I went home and I looked for that scripture and I found it. And I said, it's really in here. I never forgot it. A Saturday at Kayla Near's house, we were all praying. And she said, Lord, keep her from the strife of men's tongues. And I was like, wow, that's really in the Bible? I was like, this is amazing. I was, I'm serious. I mean, God totally revolutionized my life. I was just, everything was just wonderful to me, brand new. And, um, and, and so, and, and it was real to me. And then, you know, past, and I remember when my dad died, and then uh, that was always my fear of losing my parents. Always my fear of being the only child. They were, my mom was 38 when she had me. My dad was 48. So it was always that fear of, oh, they're going to die. Who's going to take care of me? I'm going to be alone. And my mother, <clears throat> excuse me, was sickly a lot when I was in school. So I was always with Undiri. So that's why my Undiri and I are so close because she was like another mom to me because that's where I stayed. And she took me to school. I remember I had never ridden a bus before. And I had to take the bus to her house, and at that time she lived on Arbor Road, right off of St. Clair, before they moved to uh, Warrensville. And I remember getting on the bus. I was so nervous. And it just, you know, the Lord was showing me how I was with you back then. You know how the Lord told Jeremiah? He said, I was the midwife. He said, and then when you got here, I cradled you. And so I had taken the bus home, the St. Clair bus, got off at Arbor Road, was walking down the street, and my undearie, you know, they, them two family houses. And she was on the second floor. And I remember coming down the street. And I remember my Aunt Deary was like this. And it was like that security. I saw her looking for me. And then when I got turned, when I got to the stairs, she was already downstairs with her arms open. Like, you did it. You made it home. Just those things because I was a nervous child. You know, my, I never, uh, you know, my mother took me to school. I never took the bus before. I was very sheltered. <laughs> and, uh, and just those things, God, was, I was with you. And then I remember the first time I was supposed to get on the bus and come home, my uncle Thurs, my uncle Carlina, the one that passed away this summer, my mother's other brother, because my uncles and aunt treated us like children. They didn't treat us like a niece. And my uncle Carlina used to work for the House of LaRose, which is the Budweiser. He drove the Budweiser truck. And I remember getting out of school, and I was nervous. I said, oh, i got to take the bus on Deary's house. I've never been on the bus before. This is for, you know. And I remember getting to Hayden. I think that's the street where I caught the bus and took me around. And it was like Noah's Ark. I got to the corner and I saw that big house of LaRose truck sitting there waiting on me. And I could call it and it was doing like this. And, it, and the Lord was like, you know, I was with you. You didn't have to fear. And I remember we would eat dinner at night. 
And my Aunt Deary would always say, Darlene, bless the food. And, I, and my mother was in the hospital. She went in the hospital to have a hysterectomy and was in the hospital for three months. Infection set in. And during that time, my mom got saved. And that's when she, that was her born-again experience. And then she lived, you know, years past that because I was in elementary school. But I remember I would bless the food. And I was little, you know, and it's just what God was just showing me. I was with you. And I remember I would bless the food, and I would say, Lord, uh, can you bless whatever food my mother's eating tonight and heal her body? Nowhere did I know God said, I'll bless your bread and water, and I'll take sickness away from the midst of you. Never knew that. But I would do that by the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And God was saying, I was with you. And I remember at night, sometimes the devil would harass me, and I would dream that she died. Because you know how when you're a young kid, and you're going to be all alone. And I remember I would wake up, and I would say, no, my mother is going to come home. She is not going to die. And, you know, my mom came home. She weighed, I don't know, 60 pounds. But, you know, the Lord healed her. And I remember when she came home, we were all so excited because I didn't know what, what's born again. But she was like, I'm born again. I got saved when I was in the hospital. And I remember my family was just rejoicing because my family was the type that everybody had to go to church. They didn't care if you were saved or not. You just had to go to church because that's what you did. And my grandmother, I never got to meet her, but she was like the prophet of the house. And she said, y'all going to church? And it, my mother was actually, it was 12 of them, and two died, so it was nine of them. And my mother and Aunt Deary would always talk about the fact that, you know, my uh, they'd want to go to a party. Somebody was, And my grandmother would stand in the window and be praying. And she said, y'all can't go. And they would say, why? And they said, you just can't go. God said, no. And then the next day, there was a fire, and most of those kids got killed. And so it was always, there was, I don't know a lot, but I know there was always those prophetic moments that my grandmother had where she protected them. And so God was letting me know, you know, I was always, I was always there. You were always nervous. I was always there. The love, that richness of his love never left you, even when you were fearful and by yourself. And so, uh, and then um, I remember when uh, my mother passed away, I was shocked because my uh, neighbor, my mom's neighbor called and she said, darling, you need to get to the hospital. My Uncle Thurston was with her, and they had been out shopping, and they came home, they were eating, and my mother just passed. She just passed out. And my uncle thought she was choking, so he was trying to give her CPR. and, And so anyway, he called, and then they took her to the hospital, and uh so they revived her, but then she flatlined again. And so when we got to the hospital, and my mother, my mom was a little dramatic. So it was just one of those things where you never really knew if this was it or if she just wanted a little bit of extra attention today. And uh, so anyway, so I said, and I was pregnant with Joshua, and I'm like, oh. so we went up to the hospital. And honestly, all I heard was, your mom passed away. And we revived her. I never heard she flatlined again. So I'm thinking, why are we sitting in this room? So I said, okay, well, can I go see her? And they're looking at me like, well, you need to sign papers. And I said, why? He said, she passed away. She, we revived her, but she passed away again. And I said, oh, you mean she's dead? And I mean, I was so shocked but at the same time, out that fear 
that dread, it wasn't there. You know, when the Bible says, we read it today, when he said the love of God has been poured in your heart, I didn't feel that abandonment, that fear, that loneliness. I was just like, wow, she left me this time. You know, but it was like that that consciousness of knowing that she's alive in heaven. Because when my dad died, I got that tape. I saw heaven. That's the first thing I'd ever listened to of Roberts. And I said, wow, heaven is a real place. Somebody has really been there. And I trusted Robert, so I didn't, you know, I knew he wasn't lying. And uh, so there was that deposit of security. I'm not alone. And I remember walking, so I did, you know how you sign the paperwork. I went in the room, <laughs> took all my mother's jewelry off. Cause they, and, and I said, well, you know, so I was taking all her stuff off and packing everything up. And because I was thinking of that later, I had a, we were about to leave, and I saw this, I don't know if it was a lady or a little kid. Somebody was in a wheelchair. And I remember I said, can I pray for you? And they said, yeah. And they had just gotten it. They came through emergency. So it was just where I was so thinking that my life would be so over. It's like I just lost my mom, and then I'm, now I'm over here trying to show somebody the love of Jesus and letting them know that Jesus loves them and he wants to heal them. And the Lord was letting me know I had already started healing you. That bitterness wasn't there. Why, God? Why me? You know, I'm pregnant. None of that was there because God's love had been shed abroad in my heart. Amen. And praying in tongues. When you pray in tongues, I know Robert's, I don't think he talks about it as much, but that warring church, building yourself up on the inside. Because you don't know what you got to face, but the Holy Spirit does. But when you built that fortified wall inside of you and the enemy sets up, sets a snare for you, there's something that will rise up in you and kick that snare down. And it's the Holy Ghost because he prepares us. And so talking about the love of God. And so God was letting me know, I never left you. Yeah, you were an only child. Yeah, you thought, you know, when they died, your life would be over. He said, but you didn't factor me in. You know, and, and there were so many things where I remember, uh, and the Lord was letting me know this, how the enemy tried to steal another piece of vital, because this, this word is real to me. You know, and I remember uh, my Dorothy. Remember, remember my Dorothy? We used to go, I used to go to her classes at Brethren. Do you remember her? The older lady. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, because I came out of Catholic school, so I didn't know nothing. And so I went to every class they offered. <laughs> and so I was at Ma Dorothy's class, and I will never forget. She said, Matthew 18, binding and loosing. I don't know if you remember this, Pastor Shirley. She told the class, because I told Pastor Barb, because I was thinking, I don't think something right. She said, that's not for you. That's for the pastors. So you can't bind. Binding and loosing is not for you. you that, ain't some, that ain't a privilege you can do. It's only for the pastors. And I'm thinking, that don't sound right. And I remember I, t- I t- mentioned that to Pastor Barbara. She said, who said that? <laughs> and I said, my Dorothy. You know, everybody respected my Dorothy. You know, she's the mother of the church. And uh, so I don't even know what Pastor Barbara said, but she let me know that that wasn't right. That was not true. And then that next Sunday, uh, Pastor Ron was preaching on something. And he was, you know, he was always talking about the devil. But Pastor Ron, he did. He said, uh, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. 
Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. So you better get to binding the devil. And when he said that, I remember Pastor Barb turned around and she shook my hand. And so that was like my, that's when I got to, this is my confirmation. You know, all that was new to me. I ain't never heard of confirmation, binding and loosing. You know, hey, I was the airhead from, that was the, the one that was sitting at a mad sleep hungover on the pew saying, God be with you, you know, and then you wake up and then you go home and you don't have the guilt because you went to mass. You didn't get anything, but at least you were there. So, so God is, is, and that was, that's been so vital to me, that binding and loosening. That's an authority we have. And the devil tried to steal that from me. But God didn't know that much, but that little bitty Holy Spirit was letting me know, "Uh uh-uh, that's not right. This is a privilege you have. And so God is, if you sit back and meditate, like I totally loved when Pastor Barb talked about meditation a few weeks ago. And I know, and I know meditation, and I'm not trying to make light of anything, but I know when we're believing God for script, for healing, we, I'm, I, Jesus tries to heal, like Jesus tries to heal. That ain't meditation. And for a long time I thought it was. That's nervousness. <laughs> and if I say it enough, you know, I, I did it 20 times today, God. So my healing's in, inevitable. It's coming. That ain't it. It's that meditation. It's that getting it on the inside of you. Communion, communing with God. Maybe it's not a scripture. Maybe it's the fact that, Lord, the last time I was in a hard place, you came through for me. That's meditation. When I screwed up, you've helped me anyway. I remember I, I, remember I screwed up our bank account. I mean, I know you remember this, Pastor Shirley. This guy called me on the phone, and he said, hi, you won a credit card. And I said, really? He said, yeah, you won a credit card. And he was da 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 And I was thinking, oh, I won a credit card? Cool, give it to me. And then he said, all we need is your bank account information so we can, you know, set your credit card up. I never, I don't know what I heard. But anyway... Three days later, my account had been debited some money, so like some hundreds of dollars. And I'm like, what on earth? And then I called, and I said, hey. I said, somebody called and said, I want a credit card, that there will be no fee to me. And she said, oh, no, he never said that. There's a $200 application fee. I never heard that. Thinking I'm getting over on the devil. I don't want a credit card. And I was thinking, I was thinking, what? And she said, oh, we have it recorded. We recorded the conversation. And she played it back. And he said it really fast. And I was just going, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, not paying attention. And I said, oh, Lord, how am I going to tell Howard this? Our account is overdrawn. And that's when I found Psalms 103. I'm so serious. I was sitting on my bed. And I was so nervous. Actually, wait a minute. Yeah, I was sitting on the bed, shocked, because I had just hung up with that lady, saying, how am I going to get my money back? Because I agreed to this. And Bishop Jakes was on, and he read Psalms 103. And he said, I will forgive all your iniquities. And I said, that's in the Bible? And And I looked up Psalms 103. I'm so serious. I looked it up. And I said, okay, Lord, I'm forgiven. How do I get my money back? What do I do? Because I'm guilty. I did this. And at that time, 
I don't know if Tanya was, she wasn't at the, I don't know. Do you remember Tanya Strong? She's a newscaster that used to be on Channel 5, and she would be like an investigative reporter. I called Tanya Strong, and I told her what happened. And she said, what, what, what? And so anyway, she said, uh, so Channel 5 contacted them, and I got my money back because it was a scam. It was a scam. And I remember I had to, uh, amen, <laughs> amen. And, and so God, <laughs> I was like, oh, Lord, why am I always in trouble? <sighs> and, so, and so anyway, Tanya said, well, can, would you be willing to come on TV and, and we talk about this? Because you're not the only one. That's, and I was thinking, oh, Lord, I got to go on national TV and tell everybody I screwed up. But I did it. And I remember my mother called me. She said, uh, I said, well, Mom, today is the day I go on Channel 5. She said, Girl, don't show up looking like no housewife. Make sure you <laughs> My mother was hilarious. She said, comb their hair, put some makeup on, and, and dress like you're going somewhere. I said, yes, ma'am. She was like, dang, ma. <laughs> but anyway, I remember going on there. But that Psalms, that's when Psalms 103 came real to me. It's, uh, you know, and that's when I saw that, wow, this stuff is unconditional. It's not like I'll help you as long as you are perfect. I will help you when you repent and you acknowledge your sin and know you messed up. And so, I mean, God is just so good. You know, like I said, every time I was reading over this, it's like the Holy Spirit kept telling me, introducing God. You know, because we know, I mean, we can read about Jesus and everything he did. And although Jesus kept saying the Father and, and me, we're one, you don't really hear that. I didn't hear it anyway until today when he said, the father loves you the way he loves me. What I do, he did. I do everything God did. And so that's why when Jesus told them, it's expedient that I leave because the works that I do, you'll do. Because we're all mirroring God. Jesus did what God did. Now we're going to do what Jesus did. And he said, in greater works, because I'm going to go to my father, and we're going to be sitting up there praying for you and rooting you on. You can't fail. This is a no-fail gospel. No-fail gospel. So anyway, I don't know um, how long I have, but I, I hope you're encouraged. I, uh, <laughs> Amen. And I just, I had a couple more scriptures. I just... Uh, just want to read John chapter 16, verse 23. And, it's, and Jesus was letting them know. He said, in that day, you will ask me nothing. But as surely I say to you that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give it to you. Until now, you've asked nothing in my name. He, 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 but he said, ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be full. So Jesus is saying, whatever you want, ask the Father in my name. He's going to give it to you because he wants to make you joyful. He wants to make you happy. He loves you. You know, there's that scripture that God said, I delight in the prosperity of my servants. He wants to see you blessed. He wants to see you healed, family members saved. Everything that concerns you concerns him. And the last scripture I'm going to leave you with is Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. It says, for this reason I bow my knee. This is Paul talking. Because Paul got a revelation of God. 
We know he met Jesus because Jesus knocked him off that donkey. But then he got a revelation of God. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, Paul said, For this reason I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So God got, I mean, Paul got a revelation. He said, I bow my knee to the God of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's named everybody in heaven and on earth. He knows who everybody is. He's called them by name. He has nothing but success for them. And the ones who didn't die, who died and didn't get to know him, when Jesus went to hell and preached, for, preached to them, when they were in hell those days, those three days, in the, veil of the, in the bowels of the earth, he revealed the Father to them. So this is who I bow my knee to, the creator of heaven and earth, the most high God. I bow my knee to him. So I just want to encourage you today, God is love. Get to know the richness of his love. Bow your knee to him. Spend time with God. And I mean, I don't mean with your favorite song, you know, I like William McDowell, I like Martha. But I mean, spend some time with God. Just sit and don't say nothing. Just sit and don't play no music. Just sit and say, you know what, Lord, I got so much going on in my life. I just want to sit here with you for 20 minutes and shut everything down and just sit with you. I don't need you to, I'm not asking you for nothing. I just want to sit with you. Just do it. The richness of his love. He said, I have poured my love in your heart. It's been shed abroad. When the love of God fills your, your heart up, truly nothing is impossible. Because you know who you're praying to. You know, the Holy Spirit was showing me we got that prophecy. Uh, and God said, call me good and good to show up. But if you don't know he's really good, it's just a crapshoot. It's like a crystal ball. It's like, God, I'm calling you good. I want some good to show up. It's a crystal ball thing if you don't know him. But if you know the goodness of God. And if you know the richness of his love, you can call him good. God, you're good. I screwed everything up today. But I know you forgave me. And I know if everybody else is mad at me, Lord, I know you love me. <laughs> you're good. <laughs> I know you are. I know you with me. And so the richness of his love. And honestly, I... Uh, to be honest with you, when I was, I always pray about, Lord, how can I encourage people? And Shannon, it was your birthday card back in January, and I had signed your birthday card, and I said, may you know the richness of God's love. And when I signed your birthday card, something hit my heart, and it said, what is the richness of God's love? And I said, ooh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm serious, and that's how... I got this message. I was signing your birthday card. You know, I wanted to sound deep. You know, oh, Shannon, I love you, girl. May you know the richness of God's love. And the Holy Spirit said, what is the richness of God's love? And I said, I don't know. I don't know. I know now. I know a little bit. I know a little bit. But anyway, 
Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we pray.